Hey, very good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Sean. This is Alex. And you listen to another episode of Coaster Kings Radio. Today we're going to be talking about Sea World Parks Entertainment's 2022 coasters. We have written Icebreaker, we had written Iron Gwazi, we're super stoked for Emperor, and we're sort of stoked for Pantheon. More explanation on that in a little bit. And we rode Texas Stingray in 2020. I mean, that album was actually meant to, I guess. It was supposed to. Yeah. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah. We'll dive right in. We'll start with Icebreaker. Actually, first, oh. this was a funny day for SeaWorld Parks Entertainment because, on one hand, they're like, they released all of their Emperor footage, which is cool. But they were also in the news today because Cedar Fair rejected their buyout acquisition thing, their $3.4 billion offer, after like two weeks of Cedar Fair trying to decide if that was a thing that they cared about. But anyways, yes, that is a thing that happened today. It's a very SeaWorld day. And we've also been spending the last couple of days letting our thoughts on the Iron Gwazi percolate a little bit. Um, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. We're actually going to talk about Icebreaker first, which we rode... We didn't do Icebreaker in the context of, like, a media event or, like, a pre-event or anything like that. We just sort of showed up on a day where it was convenient. Yeah, we went, um, um, and when there was still Platinum Pass holder oh, previews. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I think we was. went on, like, a, like a Tuesday, two weeks ago. Um, really enjoyed the ride, actually. Surprisingly better than I expected. Um, the downside of our visit was that they had such a technological, well, technical difficulties, yeah. let's say that. Um, so the ride was not running a whole lot. It was just kind of sitting there from periods of time. Then there was a park ride power outage, and there was a ride Pacific power outage, and then the, <laughs> the coast of parked incorrectly, and nobody really knew what they were doing. Yeah. So it was a little messy. But uh, we rode it in the front, we rode it in towards the back. I think we rode it two times? So did we rode, we rode it twice, yeah. and then we got in line again, and we were like, I don't have time for this. Yeah, because then it broke down again, and it's it a was big awkward. Road, so it, it kind of, I mean, I understand that the staff probably did know what they're doing, but you could have fooled me, because it didn't look like they knew what they were doing. So. Yeah, it was a little chaotic, but you know what? That's what the whole month of previews is for, so they yeah. can kind of get their act together. Um, but let's talk about the ride itself. So um, when it's operating, so the coaster is... <laughs> 579.1 meters long, which I don't have the... I'm going to pull up that... American system here. So Alexander this, is going to push it up for us. For all of we us. dumb Americans who use Imperials for some <laughs> dumb reason. <laughs> oh, I'm not being facetious. Imperials are dumb, but I can't help it. It's also um, dumb that I only speak one language because of Americans' education system. Anywho's the height of the coaster is 28.3 meters. The speed is 83.7 kilometers per hour. No inversions, which is quite <laughs> unique for a premier coaster. Um, and the steepest vertical angle at which the ride operates is at 100 degrees. At now least, let's translate that okay. to your language. It's also 100 degrees in Imperial. <laughs> and it also has zero inversions in, in American English. Beautiful, but how long, how tall, It's, it's 1,900 feet long. That right? It's actually really short. It is short. But, I mean... It but I mean, it doing the four yeah, launches thing. Doing the swing launch, time, you yeah. get a, you get a lot out of your real estate there. Uh, I think a ride like Star Trek Inter Operation Enterprise is also probably physically very short, and we don't even think of it as being that short because it has a much yeah, yeah, and it's got a pretty solid. Just this ride has a perfectly satisfying ride duration. Um, but yeah, nineteen hundred feet long, ninety three feet is the, the highest point and 52 miles per hour at its fastest 
Um, so the coaster has a, what they call a junior scorpion tail, meaning that, um, so let's start at the beginning of the ride layout for those that aren't really familiar with it. So Icebreaker is a, um, continuous circuit shuttle coaster. Shuttle coaster. Yeah. What that means is at some point in the coaster, the train moves from part of its track to another part of the track via a moving track piece in order for the train to be able to move back and forth, but also complete the loop and run more than one train. Yeah. Like... Star Trek Operation Enterprise, for example. Yeah. So right out of the station, you get onto a transfer track that slides over onto the launch track. It's very clever because the transfer track, when you're in the station, you're facing directly into the maintenance barn, and you travel onto the sliding track position that can either position you onto the launch track for the actual roller coaster, or you can just roll straight through into the maintenance bay. Yeah, so when you slide over, you have four launches. You start with a... Backwards, backwards launch. launch. It kind of gives you up. Uh, so uh, there's like a little double up that yeah, goes into the I like junior the scorpion double, tail. Like both ends of the launch are festooned with like small air hops into their respective. It has a cute elements. little bit of air, and yeah. then you launch forward onto a double up that is also leads into the top out of the ride. Mm -hmm. Again, cute little. And air. you get some height. You're you get the the lead car gets almost all the way to the top of the top hat on that second launch. And then you go back down backwards, and you go all the way up to the top of the... The scorpion the tail. scorpion the tail. launch. And then you launch one more time on the fourth launch, all the way forward on that double up over the top hat. You haul ass. Now, by doing hat. these four <laughs> launches, the total track actually travel by the coaster is 2,750 feet. That's so a little bit more than... Oh, that's a good note. And the actual... Um, you know, track length, and that's the nice thing about yeah. full-circuit shuttle coasters is you really travel a lot yeah. more than track You get exists. a lot out of your Which, now think about it, is great for budget reasons. Yeah. You know, kind of like the Boomerang story all over again, because yeah. Boomerang was like, so in in um, you know, innovative. Like, like Switchback at ZDT is another great example, because it is such a, a long shuttle sequence that it does almost the entire track layout twice. Yeah. You get so much out of your infrastructure that way. So that's really nice. The, after the top hat, you dive down um, with a bit of a curve, and then you end up in two airtime hills back to back. Very intense. They lead into an ampersand kind of figure turnaround. Then there is a sideways, what they call sideways airtime hill, over the midway. Yeah. And then <laughs> followed up by a sharp turn underneath the top hat towards the brake run, uh, followed by one airtime hill and then one hill into the brakes. Overall, really solid attraction, short, but it, it packs the punch, and again, it helps that it does the, the shuttling thing. Both the front of the train and the back of the train give very, very different experiences, as is usual with um, coasters that, you know, move forwards and backwards. The Scorpion Tail, there really isn't much to it when you're sitting in the front row, because you hardly even move yeah, up beyond, really like, the first double-up section. Um, but then... You know, in the front, of course, the top hat's phenomenal. You fly yeah. over that top hat really fast. And it's sort of airtime that I'm so not used to when I think of premieres. Premier rides are, generally speaking, so heavy positive on the positive G's, G's yeah. that there's only two premieres I can really think of that are really, really solid on the negative G's. Um, maybe three, because I can, can think of full throttle. And some of the sky loops have, have a good moment here or there. The but West coasters. Coast Racers... And Icebreaker both are really heavy on the positive Gs, <laughs> yeah. and it's really enjoyable. It's, mm -hmm. it's just something different. Yeah, the run out, uh, I, I really like on this ride because it's, it's loaded with airtime. Especially when you hit that fourth launch, the airtime right popping up into the top hat is one. And then you get crazy airtime in the top hat, so that's two. And then the two bunny hops 
on the run out. It's four consecutive really strong airtime moments. And then you hit the turnaround and the ride cools off, like, immediately. Um, the first half feels like it's just, like, squirrely, crazy, wild. The second half is a lot more fluid and mild. Um, but then it does end on a high note with two more pops of airtime going into the brakes. In fact, if you're in the front seat, you get more air that way because I think, if I remember correctly, our, our back vehicle ride, you don't really get air on that pop into the brake run, but on the front car you definitely do. So it definitely starts out strong and ends on a high note. The middle of the ride is a little meh, but, I mean, really, we're just nitpicking. The whole ride is solid and enjoyable. Yeah, overall, a little better than I expected. It's a great fit for SeaWorld Orlando. So having, Totally different from anything else they have. Having Journey to Atlantis, dark ride slash water ride slash roller coaster setup was obviously the first step in, in their arsenal of, of theme park attractions. Um, and then having the three major B&Ms, a big B&M Flyer, a big B&M Flores, a big B&M Hypercoaster, they have such a massive presence when it comes to coasters that Icebreaker kind of looked small and I wasn't really sure that was, you know, if it was the right fit for a park that has such massive attractions. But it really is the right fit because yeah. it kind of offers something smaller um, and something a little more intermediate while not necessarily compromising on the thrill level. It's very family friendly and it has um, like a height requirement that is perfect. Unlike West Coast Racers, which for me... I'm always bewildered by its 54-inch height requirement. Um, Icebreaker has the much more family-friendly 48-inch height requirement, um, which is perfect considering that the B&Ms all... I believe all the B&Ms are a 54-inch height requirement. So this was a much-needed, like, in-between coaster um, for, like, the younger set, like, the elementary school set. It's also nice to have something in that side of park um, having a little bit more life. Yeah. So first of all, they already obviously updated Sesame Street, um, a couple of years ago, 2019, and then they now relaunched the Wild Arctic area with a new restaurant, Altitude Burgers, they have a new bar, um, and then of course Icebreaker itself. So overall the whole area feels nicely spruced up and energetic, and the color scheme they went with is really nice. Uh, it doesn't scream icy arctic, no, not really, but at the same time, it's just it's it's a pleasant color scheme that really works with the Florida weather. So And it's different. Yeah, yeah it's, overall, it we're really pleased with it, we're really excited. Let's move on to the next launch coaster at the SeaWorld Arsenal, <laughs> which is Busch Garden Williamburg Pantheon. Yeah, this is also kind of a full circuit shuttle coaster, except the swing launch sequence, which is really just a giant version of what Icebreaker does. The swing launch sequence on this ride is right in the middle and does a, spoiler alert, a Haggard's Magical Creatures-esque like rapid track switch to accommodate the um, mid-ride swing launch without any sort of stopping of the train and momentum. And I really think that is like the standout feature of this ride. Um, the ride looks great. It starts out with a small launch into like a, a diving, like I, I guess it's sort of like a diving zero-g roll, I guess for lack of a better sure. description. And then, it, and then it meanders its way into the swing launch, which is a hypercoaster sized top hat and vertical spike combo. Yeah, just for skill, let's talk stats real quick. So the length of this ride is 1,014.4 meters, so a little bit over a kilometer. 54.3 meters high, which is quite tall. Mm -hmm. um, 117.5 kilometers per hour is the top speed. It features two inversions and the uh, series vertical moment is 95 degrees vertical. And Imperials, that's 3,328 feet long. Um, 178 feet at the top of the top hat. I've heard that the top of the back spike is 200 feet, but the ride generally does not physically achieve 200 feet, um, even in the last car. 
Uh, and then that top speed at the bottom of the top hat after you crest and go down to the ravine is uh, an impressive 73 miles per hour. Now, what we do need to keep in account here is that it's located on a steep cliff um, and on one side of the park. So despite the height of the um, coaster being only 54.3 meters slash um, 178-ish meter uh, feet, you're still really high above the park's Ryan River area, so like you're really hovering in the sky. It's just that the coast itself is located on an elevated piece of land. This ride has a lot of big elements, and that's really like where the theme of the ride comes from, the pantheon of major substantial elements. On paper, the ride is very similar, I think, to um, some of Universal's rides. Obviously, Velocicoaster, but then again, there's that Hagrid's parallel for us, too. Um, I think the key difference with this ride versus like Velocicoaster, Velocicoaster has a lot of elements and it's generally a smaller statured ride. Pantheon has like five or six big substantial moments uh, on the ride. Big, sweeping, dramatic elements that um, will command a lot of attention. After the top hat and the dive down um, to river level, you take a giant uh, out, like, it's an outer bank turn, right? Mm -hmm. It's like yep. an outside over bank, very, very RMC-esque moment. And then you dive down into a very lengthy zero-G stall, also very in the tradition of RMC. Uh, you dive under the top hat and then make a U-turn. And uh, is this, a, this is an airtime hill. Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. And a nice uh, off-axis airtime hill into the final break. So, um curious about this ride and I'm sure a lot of people will be prepared to compare it to Velocicoaster because they were definitely developed in a similar timeline and of course they have a lot of similarities like on a technical level. Um, curious about this ride for sure. It sure reminds me of um, a large version of some of the instruments that are already out there. Um, especially kind of reminds me of a large version of what we wrote in Guangzhou, sorry, I had to think of this real quick. Um, uh, uh, dual, yeah, Dwelling Dragons, Dragons <laughs> like Guangzhou Sunak Land. Yeah. Um, kind of doing the swing launch, swing launch thingy, but also just having um, some bigger elements and some smaller elements. Overall, layout looks awesome. I like the idea of them just picking a couple of really large elements versus doing a, um, kind of like I already mentioned, kind of like Philosophers are doing the small element thing. So overall, um, I think it's going to be a great fit for the park. I think you can never have too many big intimates. And with I-305 just down the road, really close by, I think it's going to be cool to kind of have like two really distinct, unique, one-of-a-kind, massive intimates in one yeah. area. Because Pantheon will be very unique for its type. And of course, I-305 is very unique for its type as well. Mm -hmm. So I'm really excited to see kind of how they compare. Um, and I'm looking forward to, uh, to that part of our, the 2022 SeaWorld Parks Entertainment Coaster Arsenal. Yeah, that is a good point, because even in their respective pedigrees, in between uh, Giga Coasters and I-305, I-305 stands in a totally different place than all of the other Giga Coasters, and I think Pantheon, at least for now, will be a totally different kind of uh, LSM multi-launch Intamin Coaster uh, at least until the one at Park Asterix opens, which looks like very similar, and it's a very similar vein to Pantheon with oh, yeah, the mid-ride swing. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I was waiting for you to say the name of it, because I couldn't remember it, and I didn't know how to pronounce it. But, yes. Park Asterix is um, intimate, which is also under... Is, 
I swear they just started construction on it, and it's already, like, taking off. But that ride will be the one to, to beat as well. Um, these two Intamin looping SN uh, LSM mid-ride fast track switching swing launch coasters. Yeah, they're going to be cool. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm excited to talk to these because yeah. uh, the other day we were looking at a picture of the construction and um, it looks from a distance so much like Pantheon. Mm -hmm. uh, well, it's element by element. Like, we don't really know the full yeah. layout yet. So uh, I'm excited to see what it is. I'm hearing it's going to be a little bit more like Velasco and Tyron with a lot more kind of like up close track situations. Elements, but yeah. overall, it's, it's kind of fun seeing in, a new breed of Intamin that yeah. kind of came out of the, the Blitz coaster era, mm -hmm. I like to say. Yeah. Um, speaking of new breeds of roller coasters yes. that come out of a pre-existing era, let's yeah. talk about Emperor at SeaWorld San Diego, opening on March 12th of this year. Um, Emperor is going to be opening as the state's tallest, fastest, and longest dive coaster, which doesn't mean a whole lot because technically it's only been a dive coaster, and if we include hang time with that, hang time is a little short as well. Um, but yeah, Emperor is opening on March 12th, and being a dive machine that kind of takes a different approach. It, it really reminds me of the, of the very modern dive machines, kind of like Valkyria um, in Sweden. It uh, doesn't have a mid-course brake run. It focuses on a lot more than just the drop. The dive coaster used to be literally just there for the dive. Mm -hmm. We've all seen the original G5 and Oblivion, Oblivion, and they just do the drop, and then they have a turn into the brake run. Now, Emperor, despite not being very large for a dive coaster, um, definitely features some really, really great highlights I'm looking forward to kind of discussing. Before we get there, let's just dive into the stats real quick. Hmm. So, um, Emperor is 734.9 meters long, so about three quarters of a kilometer. Height is 46.6 meters. The drop height is 43.6 meters. The speed, maximum speed, is 96.6 kilometers an hour. It has three inversions. Steepest drop is 90 degrees exactly. And duration of the ride is estimated at about two minutes, which, um, Based on the lift hill speed that we have in our videos that we launched, I don't know if two minutes is even that accurate, but yeah, yeah. it would be yeah from dispatch to to <laughs> to, to unload to, to unload yeah, yeah from load to unload two minutes. Um, so yeah, Imperials that's two thousand four hundred and eleven feet, um, a respectable length I think, especially for the dive coaster breed. Um, uh, a maximum height of one hundred and fifty three feet. All the best to uh, view that incredible. Mission Bay view that this ride has. The, the panoramic turnaround on a dive coaster has never been more satisfying than it is just based on the POV of this ride alone. Yeah, Seal San Diego is in a very nice area of, San, of Southern California and the sand banks of Mission Bay. There isn't a whole lot of tall buildings around it at all. So, like, Seal San Diego really kind of sits on this, like, <clears throat> in this little plot where Building Emperor is their tallest attraction, or maybe second tallest attraction. How close is it to? Okay, so it's about as tall as Electric Eel. So yeah, 153 um, feet. So, you know, sitting sitting there, you really get this awesome view of the whole bay and then the rolling hills in the background. Um, and it's really scenic with the sandbanks mm -hmm. and the park is, is nicely maintained, a really similar color scheme. Just aesthetically very pleasing. And so, unlike Electric Eel, you really get a lot of time up there to appreciate it. To enjoy it, yeah. <laughs> and your right side up. And then, yeah, so 143 feet for the physical drop height, just 10 feet shorter than the ride's actual height and a maximum speed of 60 miles per hour. So how Emperor is going to be running um, layout-wise is you go out of the station, which is located on the far... Um, the far plot near the... Uh, how do you describe this, I guess? I'm trying to explain to people it's where like, in the park it is. It's like next to Journey to Atlantis, but pushed a little bit further Atlantis. into like, the parking like lot. I'm pulling up SeaWorld on 
uh, Google Maps real quick. So the station's actually on the side of the parking lot of, of the right plot, and then... Because um, I know the ride's not in the imagery yet, but you can kind of get it. Oh, no, it is. Oh, wow, there it is. Uh, Google must have just recently... Well, I guess it's been sitting there for a little while. <laughs> right. And was the ride... The ride was completely finished prior to COVID, wasn't it? Or um, I don't think it was completely finished yet. Okay. Well, yeah, if you look on Google... Uh, satellite imagery, you can see the ride. Oh, and you can, here's the approach to the ride. Yes, it's going to be part of the journey to Atlantis it's Plaza. It's very, I mean, getting to the ride is a little bit of a journey because, well, no pun intended, but. Well, it's going to be like one of those rides where, like, it's by far the, the biggest, most attractive attraction at the park. So, like, having it be a little offset yeah. on the walkway is kind of common. Kind of like, kinda, it's, but yeah, you know, like X2 and stuff. You'll take a hard left once you approach the journey to Atlantis area instead of going right to the entrance to Journey, you take a hard left down a, a, a pretty narrow corridor with trees lined on either side because there's backstage on either side uh, that then opens up into the Grand uh, Emperor Plaza. And it looks like we've got lockers, we've got Q. This, this image must be fairly recent. I mean, it's the ride looks almost done. It looks pretty much how it looks in the POV. They've got the, the prep work for the land ready, um, for landscaping, hopefully, hopefully there's landscaping, but yeah, it's, it's, it's looking great. We're in, we're in great shape, I think, for this ride. So yeah, out of the station, you make a 180 degree right turn and go up to lift hill. When you get to the top of the 153 lift hill, uh, feet lift hill, you make a uh, 180 degree left turn. That's the panoramic, the panoramic turn we kind of talked about mm -hmm. earlier. You have a holding drop, a holding brake on your drop, and then you drop down the 90 degree angle. Um, when you drop down, you go straight into an Immelman. That Immelman kind of brings you to the back of the plot, um, and you have a really cool, how do you call that element? It's kind of well, like a hammerhead. It's, it's called, yeah, they call it a hammerhead. It's almost, it's almost like top hat-ish. I would call it more top hat than a hammerhead because yeah. it's definitely like an inversion. Um, and then you come out of that top hat, and then you roll into a kind of like, a, like an elevator barrel roll, almost like a step up under flip, yeah. but a little bit squat. Yeah. And then um, when you get out of it, you have a perfectly shaped big corkscrew, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, and then you make a and final 180 degree right turn into, into the, the final brakes. brakes. You come into the brakes kind of hot, like there's definitely speed, but the yeah. cool thing about Emperor is the pacing. That ride just has a lot of pacing. Um, it has four massive elements beyond the drop, um, that just really kind of feel different than the usual BNM coasters. BNM coasters of the dive machines variety, they'll have big turns. Sorry, there was a car alarm going off right in front of our house. Oh like, God, what's that? Like, is everything okay? Um, anywho, so uh, usually dive machines have very big swooping elements um, and don't necessarily do a whole lot. So they're thinking she cry, you have like a big inversion, big turn, break run. Um, yeah, drop, the pacing on those big turn, is and, very you know, broken up because of the bigness of it and there is kind of a slowness to the to the giant dive machines. Like a ride like Griffin, like moves very. It's very grand and, and swooping and sweeping, but it also everything is so massive yeah. and exaggerated um, that it, sometimes it just doesn't feel forceful like you'd like. Whereas this ride, I think, is going to be like a positive G uh, buffet, and I think it's going to be really a satisfying little nugget. And it'll be really nice to have a dive coaster that just has speed to it. Uh, and I'm not just saying like speed at like one single moment, but it's like the entire ride pacing. I love that I this is really like this is their looper. This is their sit down looper. Yeah. For most parks with dive coasters, they already have like a straightforward looping coaster. So the vertical dive is really the selling point. 
um, especially back when it was customary for your dive coaster to have like one version at most. Um, but this thing is, this is an unabashed little floorless coaster with some great forceful elements and it also happens to have a 153 foot vertical jaw. And so. I'm really excited for the uh, for the top hat, the um, step up underflip, bell roll looking thing and the corkscrew in particular because they are just cool elements that you haven't seen ever before on a dive machine. Um, so it's, it's weird because I am just really excited for this ride and I feel like enthusiasts overall aren't talking about Emperor as much as, uh, as they should be. Um, we have an, an emotional relationship, I guess, with Seal San Diego, too, because it's just one of our favorite parks in the country. Mm -hmm. It's very polished, it's clean, San Diego is beautiful. Um, it's just a bit of a different kind of park. Their um, zoological setup is really cool. They've got some of the best exhibits in the country. So we already really like that park, and then seeing the park kind of transform, they're doing it in a very graceful way. It's awesome kind of having seen all the additions over the years, and now having emperors or big B&M codes. Who would have ever thought Seal San Diego is going to have a big B&M dive machine? Nobody. That third major element, the step-up underflip-looking thing, it kind of reminds me, doesn't Valraven kind of do something like that? It kind of does, but it's not quite as, um, like, I think the, the height difference is not quite as, right? Yeah. It's like... This feels more like it dives out of the element yeah. at the end. Because I was almost, I'm like, wait a minute, is it? But then, yeah, I think I agree with you. It's hard... It's hard for me to commit anything related to Valraven to memory because that ride is so dumb. Uh, but I think... Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think what this ride does and how it does it, more importantly, how it does it, um, will really set it apart, not just from other B&Ms and other rides in uh, Southern California, but even among other B&M dive machines. So, could not be more excited for this ride. Um, yeah, we'll be traveling down... Um we're not sure if we can make it to the media events yet, personally. But Thank you, we may have for inviting us. We <laughs> may have to send someone else <laughs> we may to ride your amazing else. roller coaster while we stay in Florida and be adults. Um, but we'll, we'll probably be there this spring. I really can't wait to make another, um, another trip down there. Yeah. We obviously have been waiting for going back to SeaWorld, particularly in San Diego, um, for Emperor. So this will be a great, great reason to be going. Yeah. Um, another great reason to be visiting SeaWorld Parks Entertainment this year is for Iron Gwazi. Iron Gwazi. So we just wrote Iron Gwazi last week. We have our videos of it on YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. So make sure, of course, to follow us there. We have a little bit of a, of a YouTube renaissance. Yeah. We're starting to vlog now. Like and we're yeah. having our... Um, we POVs. bought our first GoPro, and, and we so, bought um, a new camera lens. And we have really cool editing software, so yeah. we really got into it pretty quick, and I think we're doing pretty good. So uh, I think the podcast from the last three years has kind of helped us kind of get in the mood for, for doing vlogs and stuff. It all came pretty naturally. Being so in front really of a excited. camera is, like, super weird for me. But I guess, yeah, being in front of a microphone, like, definitely helped ease us in. Talking to nobody in particular um, yeah. is something that I think is the hardest block to overcome when you start podcasting, but also when you start vlogging and stuff. And then you get and used kind of to pass it out already. Yeah. So even it's yeah. like walking around Disney World, talking to little electronics, going, yeah. looking at our phones, going live, and talking to our little GoPro and people giving us looks. But then they're like, no, they're just vloggers doing their vlogger thing. It's just not even that thing. weird anymore. But yeah, so we wrote Iron Gwazi. Um, Iron Gwazi is spectacular. One of our favorite. Coasters um, in Florida now, and yeah. it's definitely our favorite um, iron horse coaster by Rocky Mountain Construction. Um, let's pull up the stats real quick. Okay, yes. So, Iron Gwazi, let's see. Did you? I guess we have yeah, a historical meters yeah. um, historically. So, uh, yeah. Iron Gwazi is 1242.1 meters long, has a height of 62.8 meters, a drop height of also 62.8 meters, um, speed of 122.3 kilometers an hour. 
inversions that it features is only two, which is kind of refreshing. Very. Um, its vertical angle is 91 degree, making it the, the world's tallest, fastest, and steel, uh, steepest, steepest hybrid, hybrid coaster. Yeah. Um, the duration of rides about one minute and 50 seconds. Checks out. And um, RCB lists 12 points of airtime. That's, like I said, about checks probably out. probably accurate. Yeah. yeah. Everything this ride does has air. That's pretty standard of... RMC, so yes, that Imperials, that's just over 4,000 feet long, that's 4,075 feet long, a height of 206 feet, a drop of 206 feet, which is achieved by a slight gradient in the ground, and a maximum speed of 76 miles per hour. So it is also Florida's tallest coaster, and Florida's fastest roller coaster. I can't believe it's taller and faster than Mako. Yeah, it's but like, like well, in Shigra, yeah, Shigra, Shigra, yeah. yeah. So, um, Ira Guazi, where to start? So, if you've already kind of watched our coverage and read it online or uh, watched our videos, you kind of already know where we're coming from. But the nice thing about Iron Guazi is that it doesn't do the RMC thing like most RNC things that do. Yeah. Um, it kind of, instead of taking a bunch of smaller elements that kind of gut check you or like are really <laughs> intense piles of airtime, yeah. it took this giant ride plot and it made really large elements out of it. Um, some elements are incredibly unique that we haven't seen before, um, like the what we call the crocodile death oh, yeah, roll, the death roll. Um, or even the um, the overbanked inside turn that dives that, that leads towards the um, the wave turn over the station. That's kind of unique, um, and then it has like a weird double airtime hill kind of moments very, towards the end. It's like almost perfectly camel shaped. They talk about camelback humps on roller coasters, but this one is like a real really looks like a camel. <laughs> and it kind of reminded us of Joker at Sickler's um, Discovery Kingdom, Kingdom because they're both GCI coasters and they both follow old GCI structures and footers. And the real cool thing about that is is that it really does feel um, in a way like a giant blown up joker uh, yeah. when it comes to the stalls, when it comes to kind of like coming up with creative elements like based on how GCIs usually yeah. move. Um, really, really pleasant surprise. Like I really actually loved it. This ride just feels like, you know, when uh, when Zadra was built at Energylandia, it was like, you know, the first like ground up RMC hybrid and of course they just like, as far as I know, they knocked it out of the park with that one being completely uninhibited by existing uh, ride structure that needed to be repurposed. I feel like a lot of Iron Horse coasters are only as good as their pre-wooden coaster era allows them to be. I think some of these coasters, like Twisted Twi uh, Timbers at King's Dominion, which is my least favorite of them, it just serves as a, as a lingering, nagging reminder that Hurler was not a very good ride and did not have a very interesting layout, at least in my opinion. What's really cool about Iron Guazi is that they just kind of reuse the footers. There's moments of the ride that echo, like you said, moments of the ride that echo uh, GCI's design choices, particularly with old Guazi. But then there's a lot of the ride that is just is totally new and only serves to repurpose uh, footers and kind of some lingering uh, superstructure plots here and there. So for people, we never rode old Guazi, but for people who rode Guazi, and then they ride Iron Iron Guazi. It's like this. This this is so different than like the other uh, conversions. To call this a, a conversion of Guazi, I don't even think does it justice. It really feels like a completely custom experience with just with some nice moments that preserve um, some of the great qualities of. Quasi, but then it really goes off on its own and does something totally unique. Yeah, sure. I find what I think is so cool is that because Guazi was the dueling coaster, um, so the whole ride plot is quite massive, massive. and it has so yeah. much space to use. 
and they carved out of that giant space a really kind of unique roller coaster. It kind of goes in all sorts of directions, mm -hmm. but it doesn't necessarily follow like um, a systematic a pattern. pattern a rhythm, so like yeah. Steel Vengeance is very systematic, and yeah. it's like you know full circle, and then you know a turnaround moment, yeah. and a full circle, and then. But then you have Iron Guazi, where it really feels like okay, so we uh, let's run through the elements. So we leave the station. We have a weird little pre lift yeah. that kind of goes over the queue and then dips under the queue. It's the steepest lift hill, like in recent memory for me. That isn't like yeah, a and then the, the lift hill is quite steep. It's two hundred six feet tall and a giant metal arch that they built over yeah. the ride. Yeah, and then you have your ninety one degree turn. Um, at the bottom of the ninety one, sorry, drop, 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 turn, whatever, it's sort of drop. A turn vertically. Well, at the, I was gonna <laughs> say at the bottom of the drop there is a turn that yeah. goes a little bit towards the right and then you shoot into your first big element which is an outward banked um outward banked hill airtime hill which then in turns back into itself um underneath the drop which is kind of cool and it has a giant spiraling turn up towards the right and when you get up to the top of that hill you're like about halfway right under underneath the, first drop, the, uh, yeah. the first drop um you have so much speed when you get up there and then, um, instead of just having a drop down, you actually have what we call the crocodile death roll. You just barrel into that. You barrel full, like, like, like a full 360 sort of a degrees like barrel roll it's towards so the ground. Super cool, really, really fast, massive element because it takes up like half the right plot, but you go through it so quick. And then you go into a, an inward banked, yeah. kind of like dive turn Which is almost. a nice surprise. Sometimes I, I feel like RMC wants to try to buck you out of the ride every chance it gets. But So having a positive G moment is really fun. I feel like this is a very like re responsible, refined, distilled RMC with some of the choices they made. And then um, after that, you kind of adjust yourself towards the station, and then there's a giant, I'm, and I mean giant, like um, outward banked wave turn yeah. that flies over the entire station. And it's like this length of the right plot. It's It looks so large when you stand in front of the right plot that you think like, you know, you kind of don't imagine going through it as fast as you do, but this is a hyper coaster that only has a few elements. Everything it does is really, really fast and high paced. That one's also a pleasantly pleasant moment for that ride whereas on some coasters on some rmcs the wave turn is like this opportunity again to like make you feel like you're holding off for dear life whereas for iron Guazi, it's like floater air moment there's they i heard i hear people use the phrase ejector floater a lot when talking <laughs> about this ride and it is the, that sweet spot between like gentle floating out of your seat negative g's and like the violent ripping ragdoll moments of like some of the more intense RMCs. Totally. Um, and then it kind of has a little bit of like a more uh, like traditional moment where you just have a, a high-speed airtime hill that kind of turns into a, a, like a bank turn. And it's really elevated. It's really elevated. So most of the, yeah, so from now on, the rest of the ride is pretty much completely elevated above the ride plot, which is also really unique because most RMCs really make sure they, they use their the heights ground. very well. Yeah. Um, and so after you have that bank turn, there is a, a hidden inversion. You can't really see from anywhere in the yeah. ride. It just kind of happens. There is a zero G stall that also crosses um, rides over the... The first drop. I mean, you can drop. see it from the first drop, but that's, but the, only that, it's that's like, the only place you can see it. Oh, that's kind of just like when hidden, you're already but... going down the first drop, and they're so distracted by everything else. Exactly, yeah. It's, like, it's kind of just like <laughs> so it's hiding in plain sight. Exactly, it's, well, it's, 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 it's obscured by the rest of the ride's um, superstructure, which of course is full of wood, almost at the same height. So the whole ride kind of feels like most yeah. of the wood is at the same height. Um, after you get out of that zero G stall, you have a turn into. 
How do you describe you that? Do the, it's like a big like, like the weird like right turn thingy. into the, the double camelback thing. Again, these are classic RMC-sized hills, but instead of them being like on the ground and being like super violent, like almost too fast for the size of the hill, they're elevated. Which one, you get the view. Two, it doesn't feel as violent and painful, but the airtime was still really strong. Uh, and three, I feel like the hills are, they're shaped just right, and you, you have sustained air instead well, yeah, of and air the nice that thing throws is, you back into your seat. And the nice thing is to get to these airtime hills or like these, the, the little hops that are kind of make a camelback situation, that like to go into them, you make a 180 degree upward turn, and to come out of them, you make a 180 Another, degree yeah. downward turn. So the really cool thing is that like this coaster focuses a lot more on doing lateral movements. Mm -hmm. So half of the elements are really like lateral focus, yeah. which is really weird for RMC, where yeah. I feel like it's always been so focused, except for Joker again, on being like um, vertical elements. You know, um, it does like a bunch of figure eights. Like it has a very like figure eight stacked kind of feel to it. Exactly. And, um, but yeah, after the, the camel, you have the one more airtime hill. And that one takes you pretty far down to the ground. That takes you all the way to the ground. That's but it's kind a of nice, like long yeah. drop. It's funny because it's, it's just like a decent sized drop, but it feels so dwarfed by the massiveness of Iron Gwazi. Um, and then you have a really quick high speed left turn that um, you go through with plenty of speed and it cuts straight underneath another piece of track. It's kind of funny how, like, this ride, however large it is, yeah. there's still some really, yeah. like, close moments where the tracks are really close to each other, yeah, even though this ride is so massive. Like, um, and then you just fly into the brake run at a really high coming speed. Coming in hot. Probably coming in the hottest of any Iron yeah. Horse coaster. Up stops, screaming away. But yeah, overall, it's just a really pleasant ride by being so large and being so massive and having elements that don't gut check you. And there's, like, two or three small hops kind of hidden throughout the layout, but generally speaking, everything yeah. it does is massive elements, and it almost feels like a really unique hypercoaster in that sense, yeah. because um, if you are familiar with Goliath at Six Flags Great America, imagine a Iron Horse version of Goliath, with just only big elements, mm -hmm. uh, but then really spread out over a big plot, kind of going in all sorts of directions without any particular reason to. Um, it just made for such an incredibly unique Iron Horse Coaster. It's just yeah. very different. Unlike a lot of Iron Horse Coasters, we're like, we ride it if we have time or if we can be bothered. I mean, we don't, we don't ride Twisted Colossus when we go to Magic Mountain. We can rarely be bothered with Steel Vengeance when we go to Cedar Point. Um, but when we ride Iron Gwazi, it just it doesn't punish you. It's not a punishing ride, and yet it feels just like that really fine line that it hits that sweet spot of intensity where it's like satisfying and mind-blowing but not in a way that like leaves you with bruises so it was a remarkably satisfying ride experience from start to finish and i can't wait to go and ride it again like yeah same it's weird it's weird for us to be like oh yeah let's go ride that rmc let's go ride the rmc but, that's not uh, like us at all but yeah this coaster this is different it stands it out it earns its keep it's a very special ride and i'm just so happy with the choices that they made it's a really great fit for the park and it's also nice because location of guazi was such a crucial location within a park because between the entrance all the way to shikara which is in the back corner of the park um, coming in from the Morocco entrance plaza and then taking a, a left coming into the park There really wasn't any attraction besides like the little Sesame Street area So not having a major e-ticket attraction again right by the entrance of the park Really kind of balances out the park again, and I think it's nice now yeah, the full circle has attractions again Flow yeah. and stuff, absolutely Yeah, having Cheetah Hunt and um, Cobra Skirts, the traditionally most popular coasters in the park um, 
on one direction when you enter and not having Iron Guazi equal distance from the other. This is definitely going to take entrance. some pressure off cool. Cheetah Hunt and it needs it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's going to be cool. My ride always has a crazy stupid line because it's the front. And the nice thing about Iron Guazi's name is that Guazi was, you know, in the, in the time period of Bush Gardens going with more ethnic names, if that's a good way of yeah, saying it. Yeah. Um, so Cheetah Hunt and Cobra Skewers are a little straightforward, but now they at least have the word Guazi yeah. still as a new ride, so yeah. I, kind of, I kind of appreciate that. Um, so we mentioned GCI a couple times, and even though this coaster opened in 2020, it was part of the same big announcement yeah. range of the Seal Parks Entertainment Mass Investments, big roller coasters for, uh, for five of their parks. Texas Stingray actually opened a couple weeks before the pandemic, um, and by being open earlier in the season for spring break in Texas, um, it actually beat the odds of being delayed <laughs> for years because of yeah. the pandemic and the, the Seal Parks Entertainment business move. Depend, you know, related to the pandemic. So we wrote it right before the pandemic hit. We had a fantastic time. Again, thank you so much to Wilson and Tony for having us out for that. I really appreciate you guys. Um, but we really, really enjoyed the ride. So I figured we might as well throw it into this episode. we got a couple minutes left. Yeah. Um, so let's throw it in there. It's definitely worth bringing up in this conversation. Um, it's a fabulous wooden coaster. It's honestly, I think, one of the best wooden coasters in, in the, the country. In the country, I agree. And it's one of the best one of GCIs, the best GCIs, GCIs in the world. They're, and I, that's saying a lot. The GCIs are already my go-to um, wooden coaster, coaster manufacturers. Yeah. I always loved them. We have, obviously, big wooden coasters like Joris and the Drac. In Efteling, it's really spectacular. We have Wood Coaster at OCT East. Troy at we Toverland. Have, um, you know, there, there are some massive woodies out there that we really like. Um, obviously, we have Dollywood Thunderhead. We have California's Great America's. Ghost Striker, Knott's Berry Farms. Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider. Those are all like some of our favorite coasters. Mm-hmm. And um, Texas Stingray fits in the top, top tier of, of the GCIs for us. Uh, we'll start real quick with some of the stats. The coaster is uh, 1,029.9 meters long, so just a tiny bit over a kilometer. 29.3 meters long. Um, the drop height of 30.5 meters. A top speed of 88.5 kilometers. Um, and it features a tunnel that's 30.5 meters long. And Imperials, that's 3,379 feet long, uh, a height of 96 feet with a drop, a taller drop than its height. It has an underground tunnel, right? I think that's how it does that. No, the tunnel is half Or is it buried? Yeah. Oh, it's just... It's just on the hill. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I knew there was a tunnel in there somewhere, Um, because you just said there was one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's right here on RCDB, and there's a picture of it. Uh, But yeah, uh, height of 96 feet. A drop of 100 feet and a maximum speed of 55 miles per hour. So um, the neat thing about Texas Stingray is that the design choices they made were very different, but also very similar to GCIs in general. And I know that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but I want to explain. <laughs> so the first drop is a normal straight down first drop, which is really rare for GCIs. Mm-hmm. We've written so many of them, and um, the only one that I really remember having like a decently sort of shaped straight drop. Um, Joris and the drag. Yes, and also um, OCTEs has like you know, I guess wood coaster. Wood coaster has, has like one in the middle of the like ride. A series of little drops. It doesn't but, really have like um, one big like drop. one big first like drop. Um, that's really neat to Texas Stingray, which is awesome. Um, and then it has a couple of really big waving turns that give you that classic like GCI um, turn situation where like you kind of throw you into the turn and you kind of get like some air in the front. Um, really, really phenomenal. It, it kind of makes the, the shape of a stingray, which is an actual design choice. Yeah. Um, so if you stand over by Shamu Stadium or the Orca Stadium, whatever it's called currently, uh, in Seattle, San Antonio, and you look at Texas Stingray, it looks like a giant stingray is flapping it's towards like you. Yeah. Um, and that's just like the shape of the of the big turnarounds on the coaster. 
Um, so it spends the first half doing big GCI turnarounds and big GCI elements, and then the second half of the ride, it just kind of goes on this like weird tangent where it takes off over the, the rapid just, ride. Yeah, it just kind of woods. like it just kind of disappears like in, into into the like the lower ground area and into the woods, and it just kind of hops around, goes over the rapids ride, comes back down the road, has a tunnel, lots of high speed elements, and then um, eventually hits the brakes pretty hard. Overall, it's just really nice to kind of have those those big elements and then a bunch of smaller elements, which really make this ride almost kind of like Ghost Rider to me, which it starts off with giant elements and it finishes with high-speed small elements. Um, that's something I really, really like about Texas Stingray. And the pacing on this ride is awesome. It's amazing. I, it, it really uses the natural terrain well. Um, after it does a lot of, like, the big elements, it runs out into the forest turnaround bit. It kind of gives me, like, some... Mystic Timbers, Prowler kind of vibes. You hop over the River Rapids ride and then hop back. Um, but in the process of this, you are climbing uphill. And then on your return, you have the tunnel, which again helps accentuate speed. And you're going down the hill again. And it, it just this is, it just comes in so hot. Yeah, know? it's funny because despite the hill not being very it's not very large, yeah. it, it uses the terrain so well. And it's a long ride. Um, and somehow, yeah, I, I got honestly. I, I encourage everyone who's listening to this episode right now go ahead and if you don't know much about Texas Stingray, I'm hoping you've written already. But if you haven't um, or you don't know much about it, go ahead and YouTube a POV of it. You'll be really pleasantly surprised by by how how cool the layout for this ride is and how well it keeps up its pacing, which is, of course not not unusual for a GCI. But Texas Stingray is a particularly amazing breed of GCI coaster, and uh, we were just so we were just blown away. I mean, I've ridden Apocalypse slash um, Terminator Salvation opening year, uh, actually, well, one season after. I've ridden obviously Gold Striker opening year. I've ridden Ghost Rider opening year. I have experiences with GCIs when they're new. Yeah. Um, and Texas Stingray still, even as a new coaster, really, really stood out. Um, and Honestly, I think it's one of the most underrated assets in the whole chain. People don't mm -hmm. seem to talk about it much. You know that the pandemic didn't it's do It's definitely it my favorites. favorite coaster at SeaWorld San Antonio, which oh, is a sure. hot take when you consider riding maybe, like maybe, electric It eel. may be my favorite coaster in the state of Texas. Yeah. That would well, yeah. It's it would be between it's between Dad, Mr. Texas Freeze. Stingray and Mr. Freeze, um, and, may, and maybe Steel Eel because I really yeah. think Steel Eel is, is a gem Strong. too. But overall, Steel Santo needs to be on your bucket list. Steel yeah. Eel is also very unique for its kind, an awesome, awesome coaster. Um, and a Texas That's just Stingray a great park. I can't wait to go back there. Yeah, we're um, definitely something you you need to need to check out, need to ride. It's ironic because like I really crave SeaWorld San Antonio and SeaWorld San Diego. And then there's SeaWorld Orlando, which on paper is like the coaster capital of the parks, but we live here in Orlando, and it's just kind of there. And we go. We're, yeah, but no, we're a little spoiled. And we like SeaWorld Orlando, <laughs> but SeaWorld San Diego has the animal exhibits that are the best, in my opinion. SeaWorld San Antonio feels like a Busch Gardens park that's yeah. a SeaWorld, so it has like kind of like that regional park grandiosity, but it also has a lot of space to breathe, which it's is really giant nice. giant and pleasant. And like, the it's are just, never packed. It's like, never packed. It's just like a space to discover, and there's always something to do around every corner, yeah. but it's just very, very grand. And I really, I would definitely take San Antonio's coaster collection over Orlando's. Wow, that's actually a pretty hot take. Even with Icebreaker. I mean, I'll probably agree because I like GCI so much and I yeah. like Steel Eel so I much. I just feel like Steel Eel and but, I mean, Texas I also love, are such a crazy one-two punch. I also love Kraken Journey to Atlanta's, though, yeah, and Menza. So, I don't know, it's hard. It's a hard choice. Um, anyway, I thought we kind of funny, just on the spot, what if we ranked those five big SeaWorld Parks and Tampa Coast? Just based on interest. That doesn't have to be based on who's Up better five, or whatever. Yeah. Just, like, based on interest. Um, Do you, okay, could you come up with one real quick, or should I go first? Or I think of the five, the one that really, I mean... I, I even though this is a weird answer for me, but uh, I think Iron Gwazi really 
stand. And I think I have a weird feeling that that one might still be my favorite of the five once we ride them all. Yeah. Which is such a weird choice for me. But I just have to give credit where credit is due. I was just so pleasantly surprised by that ride. Um, but then it is really hard because Texas Stingray is, is amazing. Emperor is I think be, for like, me, perfect. I think for me, from like best, like most interest to least, I guess is the best way to put it. So I don't have to rank yeah. based on quality. <laughs> um, I think Iron Guazi, followed by Texas Stingray, followed by Emperor, followed by Pantheon, Pantheon, followed by Icebreak. Yeah, I would have to agree with um, that. The top three are a little more interchangeable. I think it's really clear to my, my top three is, and then yeah. Pantheon, you know, and downward. We're but, probably um, weird in saying that, like. Pantheon is only more interesting than Icebreaker to us, but I don't know. I just feel like B and M's in the United States feel like a, such a rare bird, like new B and M's that are different. It's funny because San Antonio is actually building a new one too, but at Six Flags. Yeah, and it'll be. It's just so ironic. Um, but yeah, Texas Stingray somehow like the more unlike like unlikely rides on paper are actually to me seemingly more compelling. Um, that could all change. I could ride Pantheon tomorrow. Not really, but I'm figured if we see, it's like, I could ride Pantheon and be like, wait a minute, no, this is the most, but... But that's exactly why I just think of interest. That's why I said that. Um, but yeah, hopefully you enjoyed this little journey of the five big SeaWorld Parks Entertainment 2020 coasters, four of which are actually 2022 coasters, but we obviously threw in Texas Stingray as well. And now there's a bonus 2022 SeaWorld Parks Entertainment coaster coming to... Sesame Place Chula Vista. That's right. Um, just a hop, skip, and a jump from SeaWorld San Diego. And it's a little uh, Zero Force kitty coaster, the uh, Grover's Soapbox Coaster a la SeaWorld Orlando. So it'll be exciting. Yeah. Credit. <laughs> another thing that's really exciting is that we have a lot of Iron Gwazi stuff currently online on the mm-hmm. coasterkings.com. Yeah. We have, we have a lot of Emperor of em- stuff, yeah. Yeah, we do. We lots of Emperor stuff. We have uh, lots of content, of course, on our TikTok, on our Instagrams, on our, on our Facebook pages. So make sure to follow us everywhere. Make sure that you're um, subscribed to wherever you're listening to this podcast, that you leave us a review wherever you're listening. We really appreciate your support, and we look forward to catching you on the next Coaster Kings Radio episode. See you next time. Bye. Bye.